Welcome to Culture Calculus. I'm Kavitha Davidson from The Athletic, joined by my co-host, Jason Jones, who covers the Kings for The Athletic. This week, we are very happy to be joined by our colleague, Marcus Thompson, Warriors columnist, reporter, extraordinaire, NBA insider. He's just come out with a new book called Dynasties on the 10 greatest teams of all time that changed basketball history forever. Can't wait to talk to him and hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Culture Calculus. As always, I'm Kavitha Davidson from The Athletic, joined by Jason Jones. What's up, Jason? None much, none much. Yeah. Same old, same old out here. Same old out there. Well, we that are joined by one of- an intro, by the way, y'all. <laughs> like, I am hyped now after that. You feel me? <laughs> All right. Well, the man needs no introduction and no wait for an introduction either, right? We are very happy to have our colleague, our very esteemed colleague, our very prolific colleague, Marcus Thompson, on the pod today. What's up, Marcus? How are you feeling? Man, I, I, I'm hyped to, to holler at y'all. I, I, I hope that the energy... And the excitement anticipation is matched. But anytime I'm with Kavitha and my homie, Jason Jones, you know, we can go. We could talk about smoking weed at 12 years old. We could talk about growing up in the hood, 40s and all that. So I'm kind of excited. I just, I, I just hope y'all just as happy. I was a little, me. I was a little younger than that, but that's a whole different ball. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, yo, them stories are amazing, yo. I, I I've, I've had girl. a wild, I've had a very wild, you know, interesting life. <laughs> hey, I mean, West I was close. That's how we do it. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we, we we got some of that on the East Coast. I was actually thinking of you the other day, Marcus. Um, me and and the boy went to. Uh, uh, a free concert in Forest Hills and two shorts showed up. And and I remember when you lost your shit when Dame hit a three and then started dancing the two short immediately after. So did you uh did you tell him to blow the whistle? Were you, were you <laughs> you're like, hey sure, can you do it? Oh, or did little you bit, say, little bit. it was it was during blow, blow the whistle, so yeah. You know, you, you know what you're supposed to do when you meet the t shirt, right? You're supposed to go in his face and say his favorite word as loud as you can. <laughs> that, that's the proper reaction. I wonder really? what he would do to that. Well, it can't be any worse than what I did when I met Miss Parker from uh, Friday, and I had to ask her the question that uh, Smokey asked her, and she said it was okay to ask her that because, well, <laughs> every man asked her that. So, yeah, that was – I was Not like, you know, I mean – heard that. Yeah, I might, I might have had a few – a little bit of hen in me, a little bit of crown, I remember, but I said, Miss Parker, I'd ask you this one question. I know what you're going to ask me. Go ahead and ask me. So, so what was, was the answer? She just laughed at me. <laughs> That's I actually made me and Mrs. I, I made me and Mrs. Parker my Facebook profile pic for a while. That was, you know, that was an epic night in L.A. at Maverick Flats. If anyone, you know, if you're from L.A., you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I was actually just this at Comic-Con. Off the rails. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, could, we bring this even more off the rails. I was just at Comic-Con over the weekend and Mr. Daryl McDaniels, Mr. DMC himself from Rum DMC was there. And uh, I, I, I got his book and I, I met him and I got it signed because the guy that I'm dating grew up in Hollis. Uh, and he is, he, is, he is a white guy who grew up in Hollis. Let me just say that. <laughs> and Daryl was like, yeah, I could probably count him on one hand. So there you go. <laughs> hey, listen, you know, Kavitha, I love you, but you're not about to be interjecting these New York stories into this West Coast conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't nobody care about no Hollis Queens right now. We don't care about DMC. <laughs> oh you my live God. In LA. Let me hear your LA stories. Let me hear your LA stories. Let me hear your Suge Knight run ins. I want to hear that. I, I lived in West it. Hollywood, man. I want to no hear Suge your Knight run ins. I want to like, hear your you, Roscoe's you had, chicken you and waffles. Around, you got around. You got around. You Come on. You was, you was in LA, dude. I know you. You was in LA. You got some LA stories. I don't have any LA stories. I I, I took an Uber to Malibu once. That was about it. <laughs> you never hear Roscoe's on Pico. I, 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 you know what? Roscoe's was legit and was so delicious and delivered to me. And that, that I definitely, oh, yeah, I, I ate a bunch no, of, no. I, I went there. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it was also, <laughs> it was the pandemic guys. Like, come on y'all. Like I moved there in September of 2019 and the pan, the, the panty hit in like March. So come on. Of 2020. <laughs> of 2020 yeah. Okay, I was like, you know, hey, I got, I got like, like six, six months, months of non, yeah. non pandemic LA. Well, that was, that's plenty of time to hit Roscoe. Plenty of time. I will say, plenty I came up to the Bay Area things. a lot more, though. So, 
smart. See, smart. <laughs> what I'm about. all right. Well, Marcus, we are here to talk about all things. First of all, basketball. We got the NBA season impending on us. We're already in preseason, but mostly this motherfucker had another book come out. <laughs> Now, Marcus, I, 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 first of all, I have to ask, we will ask you about the book. We will ask you to talk to us about Dynasties, which is the title of the book that everyone should go buy. However, it took me, I want to say, three years to write my first book. And you, done wrote, you, 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 you wrote four books in four years. This is your fourth book in four years. Is that right? Three. How, three. Three? Third, yeah. Third, three, three books three. in three years. How are you writing a book a year? <laughs> well, number one, uh, they're not giving me that much time. See, I'm, I'm, <laughs> they're like, yo, we need this book in six months every time, right? Like, hey, we need you to turn it around quick. So I'm not, I don't have the luxury of taking that long. But also, you know, this one was easy. It was pandemic. You know, I had nothing else to do. What, what was we doing? <laughs> we was in the house. So you might as well write a book. But there's nothing like the desperation of needing that second check that mm-hmm. makes you... <laughs> <laughs> that makes you write a book, <laughs> crank out a book real quick. You know what I'm saying? So that's fair enough. Uh, when the the other side of that advance needs to come to you, you you, you get yeah, to writing. You know, real quick. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like man, you know what? I kind of need that. Man, let's get this manuscript in. Let's get that. Yeah, done. I need to yeah. get in that book game. I'm the only one here without a book. <laughs> you definitely need to be writing a book. I don't know what you've been waiting for. I, I would 100 percent read a, a Jason Jones book. Right? It would yeah. go down. Every time we're on the pod, he's just he's just dropping stories. This is one time I was interviewing this one guy, and I'm like, just from that, you could write a whole book. It's coming. Don't worry. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm putting it together in my head. It's got to actually sit down and write. <laughs> All right, Marcus. So tell us, tell us about Dynasties. Where'd the idea for the book come from? Where'd you kind of draw your inspiration from? So, uh, you know, to be very clear, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> Somebody called me and was like, yo, we want this book. And we, can you do it? And then it was like, yo, uh, we're in a pandemic. Uh, is there a better use of my time than, making, than doing this book and getting the money? And I, the answer was no. So I did it. But once I got into it, for me, the inspiration for the book was like digging into the lost eras of basketball and, and the OGs. Uh, I didn't realize how far we've gotten away in our basketball dialogue from respect and reverence and even understanding of the old eras it's all about like yo lebron and steph right mm-hmm. <laughs> like we don't even really understand mj right uh this some of this stuff that we the way we have this conversation and it's leaning on numbers you know everybody to figure out how to go to basketball reference right or stats nba stats and think oh, okay i can break this down but we're we're missing us. We're missing so much by limiting this conversation uh, and just reliving kind of those years and digging into the years before even I was born. Like to me, that was fun. Like that was an inspiration. Like it was more of a hat tip to the OGs and and respecting the previous legacies, which after writing this book, we, we just simply don't do enough. I, I get it. I was talking to Steph about this on hoops adjacent and he was, he was a little bit defensive because all them old heads, was coming for the Warriors, right? Like, it was like Oscar Robinson calling them out, and he was like, you know, well, they was hating on us. So, like, we understand, but I actually kind of get why the old heads hate. I, I get why they mad. Like, we forgot about them. Like, we, we just don't honor we, – we forgot about them. And baseball, all they do is parade around their old heads, right? It's all about the old heads. But in basketball, we forgot about them, and on top of that, like these dudes are making money they never saw. So not only are they not getting the money, they also aren't getting the respect. And so so now I kind of feel it like, yeah, you know what, big old, I understand Fuck why you're yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I understand Mark- why big Oscar Robinson became the bad rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so for this generation, Marcus, where does the old head you think range begin? Because to me, I thought I started feeling old when I heard kids in the Bay telling me, oh, Draymond can check Shaq. That ain't no big deal. And it's like. How old are you? You must be about 12. If Yo, you know, someone called me auntie the other day. I never felt older in my life, but <laughs> I'm just weird. Yeah, so it, it, that might be a compliment, though. Auntie. It was not. Yeah. So, like, it's hilarious. The, the, uh, the last dance really 
brought to my mind that that's basically ancient history for a lot of people, right? It's like, that don't feel like that logo. People were acting like, like, yo, that was, the, they, they even presented it like, yo, we got upgraded footage. <laughs> like, yeah, it didn't help that, like, all that footage from, like, 1991 also looked like the fucking Zapruder film. Like, Yes, that, that, it's, <laughs> it's crazy, right? It feels like that was longer ago than it was. At least it, don't, it doesn't feel like that long ago to me. But but the modern fan sees that the way I probably look at the 60 Celtics, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it just feels that old. So definitely, like, people don't know number eight Kobe. Like, you don't know, Blake. Like, that, that's old, man. That's, that's, that's hella old to people. Think about that. 2001, you know how long ago that was? Like, people, man, that was a long time ago. So that, that by itself, you know, I guess the, the, the OG era is starting to be – the Miami Heat are like on the tip of that as far as people go back. Like oh, the 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 Heatles, they're looking at that like you know that was back in the day to, to a lot of people. But it's like, yo, that was like literally ten years ago. <laughs> it wasn't even ten years ago. It's it's a trip though. So can you imagine what George Mikan sounds like to these people? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, like, how do you I mean there's the respect thing. There's the like not understanding your history thing, but you also don't want to like feel like an old man, like old man yells a cloud. Right. But like there, ha- there has to be some kind of balance here. Right. How do you kind of achieve that? Like we had, we had Chad Jones on the show last week talking about sneakers and, Good episode, um, by the way. and like, thank you. And like, and like kids today. And, you know, we talked about how Kareem comes out and, and says all of this stuff about vaccinations and what have you. And Chad goes, and he's not wrong. He goes, you know, to these kids, Kareem might as well be a ghost. And that's like, that's, that's, I mean, you understand where that comes from, but it's still wild. How do we like, where is that balance? Like, where does that live? Well, number one, I think it's making a connection to what's current to what's was right. It's, it's understanding uh, where this stuff comes from. And, and it, that's number one to me, it's like making this connection. Like nobody's ever heard of Mark price, hmm. right. Or Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, mm-hmm. right. Uh, Steph Curry makes a lot more sense when you when you've seen those dudes play, right? Like, right. I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, Drazen Petrovic died young. But if you didn't watch Drazen Petrovic, right, mm-hmm. you don't feel like you could watch Steph and feel that connection to that era, right? Um, so, I think part of it is making the connection to what's happening now, to like where it came from. It's almost like, Jason, you probably know what I'm talking about when you. Uh, when you grew up listening to like hip hop, right? And especially in our era, when we first came, all the old heads was like, turn that racket off, right? It was racket. Yeah, they yeah, didn't want to yeah. hear it. And then you was like, no, this is the greatest thing ever. And then somebody told you, like, man, this ain't nothing but a remake. And then they played you the original. And you're like, what? <laughs> I had no idea this was a James so, Brown song. Like, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, this is, this is somewhat related. I have a lot of friends in my neighborhood who are you know, white and older. And Ghetto Superstar came on at the bar a few years ago, right? And they heard it, and they had never heard Ghetto Superstar before, but they had heard Islands in the Stream, which was the Bee Gees penned Dolly Parton song that was sampled in in Ghetto Superstar. And I'd never heard that song. So how you can have like one group of people who are hearing something like that from another and you're just like this is just from a completely different era but is it our responsibility to make sure these kids know the stuff from the different era absolutely i I do think so like it was somebody's responsibility to tell me you know back to the two short theme you know when i was a kid two shorts the ghetto was the huge song right it was huge it was somebody's Mm -hmm. responsibility to tell me that that's that's a remake dude that's Mm -hmm. that's off that's off donny hathaway you know what I'm saying? Like, and if if I don't know, they failed me in a sense, right? Like, that's part of who we are and and how we are. And even when we, when we were watching Jordan live, what was the old head saying? That ain't nothing but Doctor J. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. that's kind of the responsibility of the people who know. But it's also I, I, to to your point, we also have to have patience, understand that they're not going to get it at 19, 22, 23. It won't really hit them until they're the old head, right? There's going to be another dude coming out who's, like, the greatest shooter, and they're going to be like, man, he ain't got nothing on Steph Curry, right? Like, at some <laughs> point, they're going to be in a barbershop doing it, and it just keeps the cycle on. But we, 
for oddly enough, we have more information, we have more access than we've ever had, and we do that less. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's maybe that's the reason. Maybe previously we were so reliant upon the oral history of the game and the storytelling that now without it, because everything is so available and on a website, it lessens the need to tell the story and it lessens the urgency to hear the story that we've kind of lost that. But that to me, that's how we do it. It's not like not in the diss factor like these dudes ain't good because remember the 90s. But hey, man, this dude that you think is so good. Let me tell you about Anthony Mason, who kind of paved the way for the the burly four man who can handle. Right. Like, let me tell you about Billy Owens. Who like it's, it's just it's sometimes it's just as simple as that and having the patience to to understand it's in a it's a young person's right to not listen to an old head at first right? yeah. <laughs> and wait till they're the, the young, old head because yeah. yeah, the young guy doesn't want to hear the story he wants you to point you to the to the clip well show me what he did I don't want to sit around and hear Bill Walton talk about what he did in '86 I don't want to you know to them that's like I mean I've had kind of talks with players where. They're fascinated by the fact that I was alive during the OJ trial. And they were just like, oh, my God. Like so college. you remember that? I'm like, I was in high school. It was like, oh, God. Well, they're like, shit, you're old. I'm like, first off, I'm not that damn old. But they were just like, oh, my. So you and they only got OJ from watching the little ESPN special. So it was like they get things in little snippets. So the idea of. Dude, I don't know. You know, some of these right, guys. To be who, fair, that ESPN special was eight hours long, but. Yeah, but they didn't watch the guys. I know oh, they didn't watch not, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but so, so when they you see some guys who are now coaches now, which is crazy to me, seeing it's like you know, you know, some of the guys. It's like a Chauncey Billups is coaching. They never saw Chauncey like play. They're like, okay, he was Mister Big Shot, whatever. And I mean, and that that's happened from generation to generation. But it's just weird for me now to see guys like who are coaching now, and like I had Corliss Williamson in sack telling them young guys, you know how good Corliss was. They're looking like, okay, yeah. Corliss was All scary, right. bro. He said intimidate dudes. <laughs> yeah, and they was like, you know, okay. You know, but uh, that the joke was Corliss was on staff to make sure that there was somebody who wasn't scared of DeMarcus. That was a little joke they had back then. That's hilarious. Probably <laughs> true, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Marcus, how do you go putting together – how do you go about putting together a book like this? Because I feel like, like the whole – like one of the – one of the best, but also like most irrational parts about sports fandom is when you, whenever you kind of break into the, the, the goat conversation, the goat argument, right? There's not always a, a, a right answer about who's the greatest of all time. It always kind of ends up being like a Mount Rushmore, right? So you're putting together this book of the 10 dynasties, the 10 teams that changed the NBA. How hard was it to leave out certain teams? How did you pick the teams that, that made up your 10? And did you go through that kind of like, like bar argument within yourself. Oh, uh, absolutely. It was actually easier than what I thought it would be. Um, you know, I mean, they came up with 10, right? That was the premise, like pick 10. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, eight of them are no brainers, right? Like, <laughs> sure. like, what are we talking about? So it just came to like, who are those last two? And then at that point, it's like, let's create some qualifications. The thing that, the thing that I think separated my selections from the typical ones is I'm counting the societal impact and like the, the reverberations that last, right? Mm -hmm. Like that to me, to me, that's, if you, if you want to, if you want to understand the NBA, you cannot take that part out. You can't take the part out about impacts and about how basketball like reflects and influences culture Mm -hmm. how basketball reflects and influences how people feel uh and that's that's american man like (laughs) it's it's so distinctly american you cannot love lebron for his more than an athlete stance for his impact you know for his willingness to speak about social justice and then not turn around and bow down to bill russell like Mm -hmm. you can't do the two matter of fact if you like lebron for that you got to really love Bill Russell because he was facing death, <laughs> right? And the right. other one like might lose an endorsement or two. So to me, uh, that was central. That was a big component of it. Uh, like, okay, not, not just first off, were you good? Uh, and were you the dominant team in your era? And then do we have a reason to still talk about you? Like, 
are we still talking about your impact? Did, did it reverberate? Is there, is there elements from today that began with that team? And I feel like once you do that, then it's kind of a little bit easier, right? One of the toughest teams to leave off was, to me, was the Rockets, mm. was the Akeem Olajuwon Rockets. That mm. one was hard. That one was difficult. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. But the, the only the only knock I got against them is they literally only won because Jordan did play, right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, I mean, you know, but how do you look at this African basketball revolution and not point to Akeem? Like, yeah. that's huge, man. That is huge. That's huge. Like, you can literally look at that team and see the reverberation. So was it was easy after that to me, after you factor in that stuff. Was there anything that you learned that you just like were blown away by that you didn't know going into this project? Oh, yes, absolutely. I had no idea how none of this league, none of this stuff would even, it would be nothing if not for George Mikan. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, I mean, it, literally basket, pro basketball was like a joke. Like <laughs> they played in cages, right? They were, they were playing at high school. Like nobody cared. Uh, and seriously, like AAU was the big sport. AAU of college, mm-hmm. that was the big stuff. Nobody cared about pro basketball at all until this like weird seven foot dude started playing because <laughs> it wasn't that wasn't the case back then. Like everybody was small, you had to be quick. So this gangly, lanky, kind of clumsy seven footer playing basketball, it became like the freak show that everybody got to see. It all built on Mikan, all of it. None of it happens without Mikan. Uh, in in the forties, I didn't I didn't know that at all. And and the the uh, the other thing that kind of blew me away is you know, but just how just how live the danger was in the Celtics era, <laughs> like, <laughs> like like I mean it really I mean look I think the players today kudos speak out do your thing right. But my goodness, man, <laughs> it was way different back then. Like it was, Megar Evers gets killed, right? This is a huge, huge turning point in American history. Bill Russell goes to Mississippi and holds a basketball camp. Like the Evers, the 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 Megar Evers family, they at his hotel with shotguns at the door, like. We got to protect Bill Russell. Like, this dude went, went to Mississippi in the middle of a race. Right? Like, yo, I'm about to do a camp to help the people <laughs> in Mississippi. Like, yo, it was life or death. <laughs> like, that's what, like, the stakes and how real and live they were. Like, Red Auerbach was a Jewish dude out here picking black dudes to play at a, in Boston, right? At a time when nobody did that. He's like, yo, we drafted Chuck Cooper. What? <laughs> they had, like, Tommy Heinsohn, think about this. Tommy Heinsohn uh, was the white guy with four all-black guys in Boston. What that dude here for being that dude? We can only imagine. What did he hear? What were they telling him? What were his friends telling him? What, what were people around him saying about him being the one white guy on a team with four black guys at a time where nobody was playing black people and you had black quotas? Like, he had to be a gangster, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just stuff like that. Like, it was live. Bill Russell, I didn't, I didn't even know Bill Russell when he did his jersey retirement. He was like, I don't want to do it here. Like, nobody. He did it in the back room privately because that's how, that's how real the venom was. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't want to do nothing with these fans. Like, that mm-hmm. joke was live. And, like, it was at the heart of... Like the textbooks that we read or allegedly, you know, we supposed to be reading <laughs> that we ain't going to be able to read no more once they, you know, cancel <laughs> CRT, you know, <laughs> stuff that they don't want us to learn about. Like literally the Celtics era was happening in the middle of it. Right. And you just don't know how live it was. When you were talking about how did I do that? What I, what I, what I wanted to do was get away from how people after it viewed it and wrote about it. 
And I just went to like live. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to read how the people were portrayed at live, which meant which meant hours and hours and hours on newspapers.com reading old issues, right? But you kind of got the sense of what was happening live and how wild it was and the language it was. But them jokers were doing this stuff like <laughs> like after the game, they might get got. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Like, yeah, make it like palatable for like younger people. It'd be like right now if Milwaukee was traveling and they get to the hotel, they tell Giannis, you can't stay here. You go somewhere else, Giannis. And <laughs> I don't think people even imagine, like I, every time I see Bill give the middle finger, I'd be like, I know why. Bill's mm -hmm. probably still pissed off. And he has every right to be. Bill went through some shit <laughs> that Bruh. we can't even imagine. Bruh crazy that dude bill russell is only on the celtics because of racism mm -hmm. <laughs> because st louis had the pick it was like and, and red our back in them playing on their racism was like man we got a nice white center for you <laughs> how about you give us that pick and we'll send you in mccauley you know and so you know they end up getting bill russell just because of racism think about that like Oh, we know you know y'all don't want him. <laughs> this dude was the best player in college and went like number th number six or something crazy. Like, and they're like, so the first one, the first pick, they gave it to the dude. They swapped it for some ice capades or something. Like <laughs> 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 then they go to the next dude. And it's like, man, you really don't come on. You know, St. Louis don't want no black center. All right, we'll give you. <laughs> That's how they got Bill Russell. Well, I mean, as as miserable as Bill was in Boston, and Boston is is still one of the most racist places on in the country. Uh, apologies to my northeastern breath brethren, but uh, Bill Russell in St. Louis, I, I mean, they wouldn't have had it, bro. They <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Like they he they walked out from games. Like he was just like, I'm not playing there, and they all got on the plane to dip <laughs> because he was like, Yeah, I'm not playing there. Like. I, I just think we missed that, yo. It was live. Mm -hmm. Like, it was real time. Like, you make this choice, and it ain't the fallout ain't going to trickle over days or weeks, so you got to figure out what endorsements you – there's no planning in the background to see what can you – nah, bro. You either took the stand or you didn't, and if you did, you might get dealt with in the parking lot, and that was the, that was the imminent danger that they – not only did they make these decisions under, they, they lived under – like they played under one of the most famous, the reason Boston gets a lot of criticism, you know, and they would say we're no more racist than the other towns. Mm -hmm. Right. But they get, they get the the criticism because it, it went national. Remember the, the flagpole where, the, you know, yeah. where they impaling the guy like that was a big, like the Celtics were playing <laughs> in that time where they're like protesting the busing and mm -hmm. they impale a dude with a flag. <laughs> Like this is crazy times. Like, well, and nice. you see, you see the threads of that, obviously, to this day. And it is so like one of my favorite things is actually just go through old newspaper.com clippings from like back in the day. It is the best. Ain't it's, it? it's so much fun. I, I, like I, I highly recommend it to everyone. It's, it's worth that subscription. Um, but it's also really necessary because it's really easy to lose. Exactly. It's really, it's really easy to lose, not just like fan sentiment, but what the media was saying, how they were writing about these players at the time. Like I remember after Muhammad Ali died, all of the accolades, all of the gorgeous think pieces um, from magazine writers on down, including like, you know, magazine veteran writers who had been writing about Ali for 30, 40, 50 years, who did not have the nicest things to write about him oh. in the 1960s. Suddenly they expected us all to forget about that. And it's real important to remember the contemporaneous portrayal of these athletes. And that's a reminder to us, too, as journalists, that like what we do is going to live in the historical record. It is the historical record right and that matters man and it's crazy too like back in the day reading them quotes reading reading the articles and just even like the captions in the photos like it kind of tells you how people thought i remember reading one caption on the cover of like it might have been the globe or the herald but it was like bill russell and he had jumped to grab a rebound and they were like look up in the sky <laughs> they were like he's so hot I mean, he jumped, right? But it wasn't, I mean, it was like normal for us. But back then, Russell jumping was the greatest thing in the world. Look how high he is. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a regular cover. But in their mind, like, that was huge for them. Here's a dude who, like, changed defense by simply jumping, right? That was Russell's <laughs> great trick was, like, 
I, y'all telling me we're supposed to keep our feet down on defense, but if I jump, I bet I can get it. And then he started jumping and blocking it. It was the greatest thing of all time. But you're right. You can see it. Uh, shout out to uh, Bob Ryan, I think it was. Bob Ryan called Larry Bird off rip. <laughs> was like, because people don't know this, but Larry Bird wasn't, like he was talking about going back to school and People, the, the fear of drafting Larry Bird was you didn't know what he was going to do. So you could draft him, and if he didn't want to play, he would go back to Indiana State. And Boston was a little uneasy about taking Larry Bird and not and he not coming back. So Bob Ryan was like, yo, I don't care. Draft this dude. <laughs> if you got to wait a year, you wait a year. And I was like, yo, he was on this from the beginning. But a lot of people weren't. Indiana didn't do it. Portland, like people were afraid because you didn't know what he was going to do. All that stuff, I didn't. I, I had no idea. So you go newspapers.com and get into the archives. But you definitely get the sense, uh, especially, you know, what was interesting back then, Kavita, was that's back when columnists were like really columnists, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you was just, you was out here firing off takes. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you, like it, it was hot takes before Twitter and social media. Like the columnists right. was out, they were, they were saying some stuff, man. You'd be like, yo, this is a little spicy right here. <laughs> that, that that Jimmy Breslin beat. Listen, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, they, they were they were going in. That that was that, that was fun. That was really fun. Like when I got finished with my research for the book, it was like, yo, you just learn a lot you didn't know, uh, and it felt good to give people who don't get credit give them some credit. Like if it, it felt to me, it felt really good to do that. And people like Sam Jones, who you don't know about, you know, like. Like I, Red Auerbach probably don't get enough credit. That dude was a gangster, yo. Like he was like, I don't care what they say. Him and Bill Russell's like me and you, Bill. We about who we getting, how we playing, like what we doing. You know, pe- Bill Russell did. I mean, uh, Red Auerbach did not draft Bob Cousy straight mm-hmm. past him. Right, Bob Cousy was a local legend. Celtics fans went in on him for not getting Bob. They ended up getting him later, but they didn't draft that dude. They they went they went and got a big man and. Red was like, yo, you know, then all of a sudden he was a Jewish guy at that point, right? <laughs> so <it was> like, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, them dudes was gangsters, man. They were like out here, like, we can do, we doing this. This is what we doing. I don't care. And it's it's got to be crazy to think about it. Like, how crazy is it to make Bill Russell the coach? Like, that stuff was wild, and they were just doing it, which was dope to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And as you kind of progressed through, what was it like kind of going back to the, the years you grew up looking at the 80s and the 90s and just that that time period, you know, the David Stern kind of era getting to where we are now? Yeah, so those eras were fun because now you, you especially start to see the genesis of where we are now, right? Like, I almost forgot how big Jordan was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Jordan, Jordan was huge. And I, I remember that back then, but like it, it relates, like it, it translates. Like he, can you imagine how big he would be now? Like it, mm. Jordan wasn't like huge at a time where, you know, 2% of the population was play, paying attention. And now there's like 10%. So everybody's bigger. Like, no, nah, he had 10% paying attention back when 2% only, you know, cared about sports. Like he had people who didn't care about sports at all paying attention to him right it was it was crazy to see the correlation between the american financial boom of the 90s and the rise of jordan and how mm-hmm. we were just out here we were spending money we were flossing <laughs> like we were making money right right like we hey, we was getting wealthy man like, it, so the correlation to how at a time we had money jordan brought us this extravagance right and made us cool Made it like we were wearing hundred dollars sneakers, bro. How crazy is that in hindsight? Like at the time, we were wearing hundred dollars shoes when when people's lights ain't on, when people don't have something to eat. Like re- remembering all those times to me, it was like, yo, we were out here wild. <laughs> we were wearing we're starter jackets and Jordans with no money, like in a crack epidemic. <laughs> like and you know who I gained a lot of respect for was the Pistons, man. Uh, people sleep on the Pistons, man. The Pistons were about that life, dude. The, them bad boys Pistons. And I know they get the the rap for being uh, like the dirty players. But, uh, man, I, I, Isaiah Isaiah was in the hood. Isaiah mm-hmm. was in his community, man. Isaiah, Isaiah was out here. 
like he was he was supporting and you know publicly he would say some stuff and everybody be like ah but really it comes down to everybody loved michael jordan and jordan didn't like isaiah so we didn't like isaiah with him and right that probably wasn't even fair (laughs) but if jordan didn't like him we didn't like him so it was interesting to see a different perspective uh of the bad boys giving detroit hope like Mm -hmm. giving them something like people didn't understand that like that's at the height of the crack epidemic and this once proud city was getting decimated and the Pistons were a terrible franchise and then here comes Isaiah and when we start to see what a basketball team can do for a whole community like we we can we can see that kind of rise again right uh some of that is so like you start seeing the foundations of it I, I didn't know Jerry Buss created Luxury suites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jerry Buss is like, yo, we out here based off a club in Santa Monica. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, he was just like, yo, I want a section just for my homies. <laughs> it's the most L.A. thing you've ever heard. But yeah, ever. Right. Of all time. Right. <laughs> of all time. Let's get some celebrities courtside. Like this stuff is brilliant. You know what right. he used to do? He used to turn. He started this. Turn the lights down. Put a light around the court mm-hmm. and, and turn the court into a stage, right? Like all that stuff started in our era. You feel mm-hmm. me? Like they mm-hmm. building their backs on us. Like all yeah. this is based <laughs> on us. <laughs> all right. Well, let's bring it to the present era. Um, and Marcus, you know, you being tight with the Warriors and with their kind of storylines and legacies, what are we expecting out of this team this year? Who should we be watching for? You know, obviously we got Draymond back. We got Steph being Steph. I know that you're high on Jordan Poole. Like what, what, what should be, we, what should we be watching for from Golden State this, this year? Well, the first thing we need to watch for is where Ben Simmons ends up. (laughs) 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 That, that might shift some balances, uh, Man, I, I feel like the Warriors are going to be pretty good. Uh, I think we sometimes we forget how good Steph Curry is. He had to remind us last year, like <laughs> that that dude went unleashed and healthy. Like he's gonna he's gonna carry a team, and all he needs is a little help. They were they had like a, a win percentage that would have got them to five seed mm-hmm. with Steph playing. I mean, he fell on his butt and hurt and broke his tailbone in Houston. And that pretty much cost them. <laughs> that was it. Like those those nine games he missed. But like Steph is a monster. And the question is, does he have enough help? He probably doesn't. Not not to compete with everybody healthy, but LeBron got the oldest team in the league. We don't know when Kawhi's coming back. Phoenix is a monster. It's, it's gonna be hard to be Phoenix, mm-hmm. right? But somebody I, I think they'll push. I think they'll be representative i could see them getting the five seed but they just need everything to go well they need everything to go right they need pool to be as good as he looks they need steph to be great they need draymond to be great they need clay to come back in like february killing like they need a lot of stuff to happen and you know that's not that's just not how basketball works but also every everybody else might fall apart too right (laughs) like there's no there's no guarantee so to me that really adds to the intrigue of of this season like the west is loaded but it's also kind of flawed Mm -hmm. in a way that nobody really talks about you know it's a lot of teams with a lot of flaws that didn't really get addressed i mean the lakers addressed theirs but they added like nine old dudes (laughs) you know so it's like they they could be incredible especially on defense but they could also be like the biofreeze Lakers, right? Who well, it's, it's, it's the early bird special like Lakers, right? Like you know, what I'm saying it's the, they they gonna show up at six p.m. for that dinner, like they they got enough wow. guy, and they <laughs> already they already don't have Fred, Trevor Ariza, right? So you're already losing a key piece. I, I, I feel like there's a bunch of teams that if things go well, they'll be really good, and if but they it's not a guarantee to me. That's the West. It's not a it's not a guarantee. Lakers, Kawhi, we don't know. And then there's a bunch of teams who are really good with a bunch of major holes. Denver, major hole. Dallas, major hole. Portland, major hole. Right. Like so, it's it's a lot of teams like that in the middle. And if if you're asking like, yo, who's gonna come on top on top on them? I'll have no I'll have no problem putting money on Steph. <laughs> like, yeah, yo. Steph, Luka, Dame, uh, uh, Jokic, these are all incredible players, right? Astronomically good. 
but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Steph finished on top of them, uh, especially if somehow Clay comes back. So, you know, it's going to be how Jamal Murray looks to determine whether Denver's there, right? It's going to be, well, I don't know what Portland's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the same boat every year. Like, I don't know. I mean, Portland is Portland. You know, Dallas is waiting on Porzingis to look like, I mean, is this a safe bet? I don't know. They So it's it's a lot of that in the West. To me, it's, it's going to be a battle of attrition, and the East is a little bit more clear, it seems like. Yeah, just before we let you go, Marcus, you mentioned the East. You know KD well. He's obviously got the thing going on with uh, what Brooklyn does with Kyrie right now and the not playing in home games. Miami tried to load up a little. It seems like, you know, you know ben, the Ben Simmons thing is going to dictate Philly, you know, Milwaukee did win the championship. People don't seem to talk about them at all, but they did win the championship last year, you know, or last season. Literally, look at just, like, they yeah, literally won they, it. They, they were the champions, and then people were like, oh, okay, they won that shit like five months ago. It was like four months ago. It's like, right? Like, yeah, it's like, it seemed like last week, <laughs> you know, but just you look at that whole East, that, that East, just how do you see that whole thing potentially playing out, especially with that wild card in Brooklyn, because if Kyrie, you know, we know Kyrie, you know, if Kyrie stays true to what he's talking about now, you could get into a playoff series where they could have a game seven with no Kyrie in Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is like Brooklyn's to lose. Like, I mean, they're so loaded. They went and got deeper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, they did the ring chase thing that we've seen teams do. Like the Warriors did it, the Heat before that, where it's like we got a title and we need some people to take less money to come be with us. I mean, they got Patty Mills, mm-hmm. right? Like they last year they were like begging, like they had Bruce Brown playing thirty minutes a game, right? Begging Landry Shamit. They went out and got a really good player in Patty Mills. They're they're pretty good. They've got a lot more depth, almost to the point where it's like if you took Kyrie off this team, where would they get? With KD, James Harden, and the, they still a really good team. So they mm-hmm. might end up a two or three seed like that. And I, I do think at some point they're all banking on, you know, in three months, this whole rule being lifted. Like, I, I think that's what they're all saying. Like, come on, y'all ain't going to do this for the whole 2022. So in <laughs> January, the numbers will drop, and they're, they're thinking it'll be relaxed a bit. But I don't know. I just don't see a universe where Kyrie is not there in the playoffs. Actually, that is every universe since. <laughs> I don't know why I said that because that's kind of what happens. Kyrie doesn't show up. Like that being the reason. How about that? Like I just can't see that being a reason. Kyrie's not in the playoff game. I feel bad for KD because he I mean, went there to play with Kyrie. I, I still just think it's wild that this man is willing to give up half of a thirty million dollars salary over this hill. But like. Uh, I hadn't heard that before. That's interesting. You really think that, that some players are just holding out for the numbers to go down and then like the, because this is the government's rule, right? This is New York City and New York State mandating that players be vaccinated. Yeah, but what, but what runs that, right? Like at some point, these private businesses are going to be like, bruh, you got to mm-hmm. relax. <laughs> you need to calm the hell down. You're costing us, right? Uh, and how many of these things have actually lasted that long anyway? Mm-hmm. Right. We've gone to no masks, masks, no mask. Like these mandates, they're all kind of like, here's what we need to do right now. Right. Um, so if we get to a better place, you know, as more people get vaccinated, it almost I don't I don't know what they're banking on. I don't know. Is he really going to say I'm done? I'm only going to play half of my career. Is he is it going to be a trade? I don't know. I just, for me, that just seems too wild to fathom. Like, there's got to be a plan C <laughs> or D. And I'm just, it's just too wild to fathom, mostly because, like, he came, they, they went there to win a championship. That's right. Why, that's why they did it. Can you imagine being KD and you left Steph and Clay and Draymond to go build your own thing? And now it's undone by the pandemic. So, I, it's, it's, it's tough. I know I've heard some talk of some people saying, like, this thing ain't going to last. So I'll take mm-hmm. the L a little bit and the rules will change because they've been changing. Not, you know, they've been right. changing. So, but it, even if you take Kyrie off that team, <laughs> that's the problem. Well, that's even the thing is that the Nets, the, the Nets can that's kind so of good. afford only half of Kyrie, right? Yes. Like, like 41 games of Kyrie is better than no games with Kyrie. <laughs> 
I mean, right? Like it's they they could actually do this. They got James Harden, they got KD, they've got some really good complimentary players. Like they could I mean, they just did it. They almost went to the finals without them. Like you know what I'm saying? Like KD almost took down the the, the champions without two of his guys mind. What can he do with one more? So there's a part of like it seems more feasible than anybody. Like that's how good Brooklyn is. We could create a world where they're the three seed without Kyrie, and that just shows you how loaded they are. This that team is that team that team is crazy. With that said, I'm I'm with Jason. We we got to stop disrespecting Giannis like this. <laughs> like <laughs> Giannis got Giannis got that superpower now that I've already won a title superpower. You know mm-hmm. now <laughs> his walk is different. You know what I'm saying? So. We he gotta have that chip on his shoulder too. I've already won a super. I've already, I've already won. Uh, a, I've already won a ring, and nobody's talking about me again. Like completely what? forgotten about that three months later. Kavitha, I watched this live. Remember the Warriors won, and everybody said, yep. "Oh, it was a fluke. It was lucky." And they started the next season twenty four and zero. It won seventy three games. <laughs> like what? Y'all said yeah. it was a fluke. <laughs> it cost him a title, probably. But they was like, "We ain't no punks. That wasn't no <laughs> fluke. Let's go." <laughs> I can totally see what you said when y'all is like, oh, y'all thought this was, oh, okay, all right, let's go. I mean, look, you win a championship, you feel a lot better about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And now maybe these wing corner, these wing threes go in, right? Maybe, like, they get they, champions, <laughs> yeah. man. They, no, you, you, you're about 25 swag. pounds lighter for sure. Yeah, that it's whole a different kind lifting. of swag, right? It's just a different kind of swag. They're they going to be mm-hmm. out here. And th- that ma- that makes them a little bit harder. I still think Brooklyn is just – too loaded they just got too many weapons if they're all together but it's those two teams to me are are clear one and two in the east right clear one and two where mm-hmm. you can make the case of the west the lakers are clear one healthy but man there's some qualifications on, <laughs> on that bad boy right like there's a lot of qualifications on that so to me it's brooklyn's title to lose i think all right. Well, it should be fun. It should be fun to see how this plays out. Obviously, Marcus, we love having you on. We'll have you on again. We'll talk about all the basketball things. Try not to write another book before we have you on next. Uh. <laughs> hey, so before we go, since we got two West Coast, two Cali boys on here, I need to know your, your favorite West Coast album of all time. Oh, uh, man. No, nah, we no. Nah, I want her. I want her to oh, step out oh, her. Oh, that you did me. I, like, I don't know where to start. <laughs> ah, yeah, we wouldn't even know how to pick that, huh? But we know yeah. she only listen to like four of them. Hey, hey, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm kind of a New York supremacist. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <right. laughs> um, I'm gonna probably just go real easy and go all eyes on me. Jason, she pick all real- eyes on me. I mean. She mm. pick all eyes on me, Jason. Which one? Mm. Disc one or disc two? Oh shit! Ah. Dis- all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I, I will say, if you ask that question of a thirty-two-year-old who's from New York, what would that answer be? Chronic. Okay. All right. All right. Sure. Mm. It's the easy one. Chronic or doggy? Chronic style. doggy, doggy style. style. Yeah. Maybe, fair enough. Maybe it. You know, if you get down to twenty-five, it's probably gonna be. Uh, Good kid, Mad City. Pimper butterfly, yeah. I mean, I feel like the easy, like it's, it's chronic, doggy style, like straight out of Compton, even though I wasn't born when that album came out. Like, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Where, yeah, where, okay, all right. Like the West Coast boys, where are you going with that question? Yeah, I probably go all eyes open on this play. <laughs> I'm going Machiavelli. Okay. I'm going Machiavelli. The Don Caluminati, but it, it, it'll be, it's tough. I mean, I have a personal like connection with Tupac. So mm. he's going to always have this little favorite area, but oh man, regulators. <laughs> I mean, the dog <laughs> pal, like <laughs> doggy style. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin, Jay. I mean, we uh, forget about Ice Cube in a conversation. Yeah. We completely forget about say, Ice Cube. Yeah, I was going to say. Death certificate. That certificate. I was, you know, I'm from Long Beach, so to me, Doggy Style is as close to a perfect album as you can ever get. Nah, that's a perfect album, bro. You know, the Chronic. I mean, yeah, I mean, those will be my three: Death Certificate, the Chronic, Doggy Style, 
Those would be my those would be my three, but I could keep going. I mean, I could, you know, get to Kendrick, mm-hmm. you know, I bounce around. I do. I do got to say, you you know that this West Coast, East Coast shit has been like well squashed because too short performed in Forest Hills with fucking havoc. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, like that shit wouldn't have happened 25 years ago. <laughs> and as, as it wasn't safe on either side. You nope. know, hey, man, we love you, as, homies. Please stay home. As 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 di- as you know, difficult as too short might be to listen to now, like you know, as the father of a teenage daughter, <laughs> <laughs> I will <laughs> I will say, too short was very pioneering in the ending of that East Coast West Coast beef. I'll never forget. First off, he moved to Atlanta, uh, which you know uh, was re- was really important for us West Coasters to see. Mm-hmm. Yo, we can get outside of <laughs> we can get outside of Cali. It's cool, uh, but I remember he did the song with EPMD. He had, uh, you know, he did the hook on "It Was All Good" just a week ago with Jay Z. Like that stuff wasn't happening, but he had him and Ice Cube had enough clout to kind of reach out, even though it was beef. It was like when Cube would short call you, like you was listening. So yeah, t- too short is rough to listen to now. Like it's like yo. This was insane. Like, not- who allowed me to listen to this? But <laughs> he was very pioneering in that sense. Before I go, let me tell you the story that I did to my sister. My dad was one of them dads who did not allow. He hated the idea of my da- my sister with a boy. She couldn't have boyfriends. We would we would mess with her all the time. Be like, ooh, daddy. You know, her name was Nicole. I think I saw Nicole with a boy. What? What? He started lecturing her. My sister was the squares to squares. Like she didn't even know where the boyfriend was. But so her her she had this. Your sister's uh, a nurse now, right? No, she's she's a uh, nah. Heck, nah. She's trash. <laughs> I have a sister who's a nurse, okay. but my other sister she's like a military vet. She's mm-hmm. a pol- politician and all that stuff. But uh, so too short had freaky tales, mm-hmm. right? Which was obviously the classic, holistically inappropriate for anybody. <laughs> underage <laughs> so too short was talking about uh this girl he messed with named nicole right nicole. Uh, so and then hung on his diamonds and gold yeah <laughs> look at jason <laughs> so then uh he started talking about her best friend angie right so i played this for my dad and, and told him like too short <laughs> too short got nicole my sister, like, daddy, what you going to do about this? So here, Nicole, he like, man, that ain't Nicole. And then Too Short was like with my best friend, Angie. My sister's best friend was Angie. So he was like, oh, my God, he lost his mind. I was like, daddy, Too Short got her, man. Which <laughs> so I didn't even step in until after she got in trouble. But it was <laughs> it was still to this day one of the meanest things I've ever done to my- <laughs> oh it God. was perfect though it was perfect yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right and this is why i've never had brothers but this is why i'm, I'm kind of glad i've never had brothers because i also had a father who didn't let me bring home boys home and y'all would have oh y'all would have made my life miserable, <laughs> yes i so. bet your dad was not messing around huh <laughs> oh god Yo, I all can't right, believe Marcus. I did that. that. That was foul. That was foul. I'm sorry, Nicole. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> all right. Well, well, you're atoning for it on this podcast. So make sure that she listens and gets all her friends to listen. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Marcus, thank you so much. This was so much fun. We will have you on again. Have fun this NBA season and good luck with the book, man. It, it's great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jason, uh, let me know when you start your next book. All right. Get it done. All right. right, Thanks for listening for Culture Calculus. For Jason Jones, I'm Kavitha Davidson from The Athletic. If you like our podcast, please rate and subscribe on uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. We'll see you next week. Thank you.